Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. And today, I'm going to be talking about a movie that I had, I've heard of for quite a few years, but I never actually got around to watching it. And after watching it, I'm kind of, you know, whenever it comes to it, I, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll get into all that. But anywho. The film that I'm talking about is The Host. It is a South Korean film that came out in 2006. So, like I said, um, well, you know what? Before I jump into the movie, first of all, I would like to apologize for getting this episode out later than usual. I did not have the best night of sleep <laughs> last night. You know, it was just one of those, um, it was just one of those nights to where, like, you know, gets to be about 10 o'clock, 10.30 or whatever. Okay, time to go to bed and then go into the bedroom and it's just like toss and turn, toss and turn, toss and turn. So I just came came back out here to the living room and uh, spent quite a few hours just watching uh, Dragon Ball Super. And yeah, <laughs> you know, like finally, okay, it's time to go to bed and then uh, go to sleep. It was like 2.30 in the morning. And then, uh, my, my lovely dogs decided at like six o'clock this morning that like they're ready to get up for the day. So, uh, let the dogs out and all that stuff. And I've just been kind of sitting here trying to wake myself up, um, on about my third cup of coffee and yeah, <laughs> and all that at the time of this recording anyway. So yeah, sorry for getting the episode out so late. I just, um, I've had, you know, Going not a whole, whole, whole lot of sleep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but um, on the note of Dragon Ball Super, uh, the reason I'm watching uh, Super right now is because I used to be a diehard Dragon Ball Z fan whenever I was a teenager. And it just, you know, kind of after the Majin Buu saga and then uh, Dragon Ball GT, like I watched GT in its entirety. After that, I just kind of walked away from the franchise. You know, I was just like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm pretty, well, I'm pretty well done with this, and didn't watch a whole lot of movies. hasn't Haven't watched any of Dragon Ball Super or anything like that. And then, you know, Battle of the Gods comes out. I watched that. Thought it was pretty mediocre. Resurrection F comes out. That one was pretty good, but still not enough to like. Okay, I'm ready to give this franchise another shot. Then the new Broly movie came out, and I was like, okay, that was actually pretty awesome. Uh, I, re I really enjoyed that one, because uh, the original Broly the Legendary Super Saiyan is one of my favorite um, of the original, like, DBZ films and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, just last weekend, Dragon Ball Super Superhero was playing in movie theaters, and me and my brother went and watched it, and I really, really enjoyed it. And so I'll basically like, okay, I'm to the point now where it's um not ready to like full fledged jump back into the franchise, but I'll go back and like get caught up on Super and, and all of that kind of stuff. And Kid Kong, who guests on the podcast every now and then, you know, he is all for this because he's still a massive DBZ fan and he he has somebody to be able to talk uh Dragon Ball Z with like just on a regular basis now at this point and uh so yeah um Dragon Ball Z's uh Dragon Ball Super Superhero Piccolo Gohan teaming up again 
It's a freaking awesome movie. I really, really enjoyed it. I was kind of iffy on the animation, but I got used to it pretty quick. And, you know, overall, it didn't really hinder uh, my viewing experience and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, su Superhero is, is a very good movie. And so now I'm just making my way through Super. And one more side note before I actually jump into the host and all of that. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> that, uh, I'm, I'm talking about DBZ right now. But um, Kid Kong actually sent me a screenshot he said, watch Mojo did a list of like the, how they ranked all the DBZ movies and which ones they thought were the best or the worst or, you know, anything like that. And he said he didn't agree with the list. And I said, send me the list. We'll see what it looks like. And he, he sent me the list and yeah, I, um, it's a stupid freaking list. Like, <laughs> like. I, I was I was like, why did they put this one above that one, and why is that one the only one that they got right was Bio Broly being way down at the bottom, the worst one. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll give them that one because Bio Broly is terrible. But um, yeah, man, I mean, like they they put things like you know Battle of the Gods and Resurrection F um above like Future of Trunks and Father of Goku was uh below more of them, I believe. Like I can't remember the exact you know, list or anything like that. But when I, I texted kid and I was like, I said, the more I look at it, the more mad I get. And so I decided, I said, well, um, I said, I'm going to put together my own list of <laughs> Dragon Ball Z movies and, uh, rank them and all of that kind of stuff. But it's been so long since I've seen some of them. Some of them I've only seen one time upon their, you know, initial release. I mean, that's been, over a decade ago for me, you know, I can't remember a whole lot of them. And, um, so I said, I'm going to go back and rewatch all of them and then do my official ranking. And I'll probably share that ranking on a weekly Kaiju Havoc and all of that. So I know some of my listeners are also Dragon Ball Z fans because we've become friends and I see y'all's posts about, you know, y'all share memes about Dragon Ball Z and, um, I know Robert Delaloy, you, uh, posted that you went to go see Dragon Ball Super Superhero as well. And, uh, you know, so I might, I might share that list on, um, the weekly Kaiju Havoc. I haven't really decided yet, but all right, guys. So I, I know that that was, that has zero to do with Kaiju, but as I've stated numerous times before, I'm really just a big nerd. I'm into a bunch of different franchises and stuff like that. And while I'm not super, super vocal about it, DBZ is one of the franchises that I'm pretty knowledgeable about as long as it only goes up to, like, the Boo Saga. And I'm trying to get caught up on the super stuff. But, anywho, so let's talk about The Host that came out in 2006. So, first of all, the film is South Korean, and the director of the film was a man by the name of Bong Joon-ho. And this was only his third film, like his big theatrical, like feature film that he had ever done. The first one that he did was Barking Dogs Don't Bite and another film called Memoirs of Murder. And the reason that this film got the buzz that it did is because both of those films that he did were very well received critically and by fans and all of that kind of stuff. So whenever it pretty much got announced that he was working on a new monster movie, the buzz immediately began. And South Koreans were very, very interested to see, like, 
what the movie was going to be like because of the success of the other two films. The studios gave him a slightly larger budget than what was normal for filmmaking uh, at the time and all of that. Um, adjusted for inflation, the budget for the film was about $10 million uh, USD. So, and, that, and that's a massive budget for South Korea in this industry at the time, you know, like if think about like here in the States, if somebody was to like make a movie and all of that, and it wins numerous awards, becomes as renowned as it is and all of that kind of stuff. And then like, Oh, well, what was the budget? Oh, just $10 million. Oh, bull. Like, no, no, like there's no freaking way. I mean, like a lot of times now, like big theatrical U S releases. I mean, most of the time, like they don't, I can't remember the last time, like, a decent, like, well-received, like, theatrically released film that had a budget under a hundred million dollars got made. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> like, I I'll look it up later on, I'm sure. But, yeah. So, that was a massive budget for South Korea in the movie industry. And he, uh, he used that money well. Let's <laughs> just go ahead and, uh put it that way. Um, the monster in the film, the inspiration for the monster came from so-called, this is from the director himself. It came from an actual deformed fish that had somewhat of an S shaped spine that was found in the Han river. And so he was like, I want to, I want to, I want to make a movie like that. Like that's the inspiration for, the monster, like, that's basically, he's basically like, that's what I want my monster to kind of look like. Part of the inspiration of the actual film itself came from an incident that took place in the year 2000 in which a mortician that was working for the United States uh, military in Seoul, Korea at the time, he was forced to dump multiple containers of formaldehyde down the drain. Now, anyone that's actually seen this movie knows that, like, the opening scene of the movie is a mortician, a Korean mortician, being forced by his American cohort to dump, like, probably, uh, looking at the bottles that was on there, 60, 70 bottles, maybe, something like that, of formaldehyde down the drain, and... The mortician, you know, he protested and was basically like, well, hold on, you know, these are dangerous chemicals and all that. And if I dump it into the drain, it's going to go straight into the Han River and all of that. Don't matter. Who cares? Go ahead and dump it down. And so that was an actual incident that happened. And whenever this was put in, whenever after that incident took place, there was naturally some animosity from the Korean people towards the United States because of them forcing them to do that and basically making it seem as if you do not care about our well-being, you do not care about the environment, you do not care that you just poured dangerous chemicals down a drain that went into the Han River where we fish and, <laughs> you know, all that kind of stuff. So there was some animosity towards the United States because of that. And the movie has lots of anti-United States 
messages and themes, though the director has come out and flat out said he did not make this movie to straight up be an anti-United States or anti-American film, that just about everything in there, he's like, it's based on actual events or it was used as satire. And so there, there's a lot of people that's not very fond of this film because of the quote-unquote anti-American themes that are found in the film. Um, like, for example, there's a, there's a scene towards the end where the Americans pretty much use this agent that is called Agent Yellow in the film which is whenever they release the this dust of chemicals and everything out there, and it's affecting the people that's out there. It kind of throws the monster off on, you know, throws him for a loop and all of that kind of stuff. That was a very subtle nod to Agent Orange, a chemical that was used during the Vietnam War. So, you know, it's little things like that that pretty much, like, there are people out there, it's like, oh, he's making fun of America and this and that and all that kind of junk. And he's like, no, I wasn't. It was just satire and all that because there are some people that can't distinguish what is sat, you know, satire and what is deliberate and all of that kind of stuff. Me, I don't, I don't, I don't really give a hoot. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm American. I'm very proud to be American. Um, I won the Patriotism Award in high school. I still have the uh, plaque as well as the little medallion that I was given for showing patriotism all throughout school and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I joined the United States Marine Corps fresh out of high school, though that career didn't pan out because of my the hole in my eardrum and all of that. And so I was discharged after getting about halfway through boot camp. Like, so... You know, um, I wear lots of clothes with the American flag. One of my everyday hats that I use has the American flag on it. Um, I'm a America guy to the core. But at the same time, I'm very able to acknowledge the terrible things that my country has done in the past. And I can see why so other, so many other countries out there have animosity towards America or they look at us in not as bright of a light as other countries, certainly not as bright of a light as many Americans look at, at us and all of that kind of stuff. Again, love my country like there's no tomorrow, but I get it. I understand. So, <laughs> you know, I can, I can see why, um, especially a situation like that with the, uh, someone being forced to dump dangerous chemicals down a drain that is absolutely going to go into a main river of the country and you're just straight up forced to do it with no, we don't care about the repercussions. We don't care what it does. Yeah. I'm going to hold some animosity as well. Like, you know, and for any of my American listeners, which are the vast majority of my listeners, that's basically the same thing as if you think about like, say you hire this company to remodel your house or something. Uh, you know, you know what, because it's environmental, let's say you hire somebody that comes to your house to change the oil in your truck or something like that. And you're basically like, okay, yeah, this is it. You know, 
knock yourself out, have fun, and all that kind of stuff. The guy gets under the truck, he's done, he's through, and all that kind of stuff, and he leaves. Uh, you pay him via PayPal or Venmo or something like that, you know, and then you go out there to look, be, sit there and be like, okay, let's, let's see, uh, if he made a mess or whatever. And all up under your truck is like old oil and all that kind of stuff. And the pan with the old oil in there, he just kind of dumped off to the side on, on the ground, like in the grass and all that kind of stuff and everything. Big old giant mark right there in your front yard and all that kind of junk. And you're going to sit there like, what the heck, man? Well, this dude didn't care about my property. He didn't care about, he didn't care about nothing, you know, <laughs> like he just, he came in here and just made a mess and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that's a very simplistic thing, but a uh, way that I just put that and everything. But that's basically, you would look at that company as like, I'm never hiring those clowns again. And you would blast them on social media and everything else taking pictures, look at the oil he left under my truck, look where he dumped the oil just right here in my front yard and all that kind of stuff, and you're going to just blow him and this company a new one. Like, look at everything that they did. Okay, so now imagine, like, that a the military of a certain country forces someone of your country to do that, but the dangerous chemicals that it is, is to be poured down the drain and goes into a main river where people fish and, you know, I don't know if they swim. I really don't, but I know that they fish and, you know, probably are in boats and all of that kind of stuff, like a very big, like recreational thing and all of that kind of stuff. Like you're, you're, you're going to be mad. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's just how it went. And so, yeah, uh, filming for the movie. A lot of it was done like on sets and everything like that. But if you notice that, if you watch the movie, there's a pretty good chunk of the movie that takes place in sewers. This was not a set that was built. They actually shot the film in sewers. And like all of the actors and actresses that would go down there, they would routinely have to like, you know, would get vaccines and all that, not to catch any types of diseases that may have been down there. And they did not have like the best filming experience while they're down there because they filmed this movie around the time in Korea where it was like cold weather and all of that kind of stuff. And sometimes whenever they would go down into the sewers to shoot certain scenes and stuff like that, the, the water that was all down there would be frozen. And so they would have to break up the water and wait for it to thaw out and melt and all of that kind of stuff. But then the bad, you know, and they would scoop the ice out and throw it off to the side. But then the bad part is, is whenever things would warm up, the wind would start kicking and going all down these sewers, down the drafts and all of that kind of stuff. And then it's blowing dust and silt and all of that kind of stuff in their, in their faces and it's getting in their eyes and all of that kind of stuff. And it was just, eh. You know, can you just imagine, uh, like, okay, we're going to shoot this movie. Okay. Where are we shooting it at? In that sewer right there. I'm like, oh, okay. And then, you know, you get down there, everything's frozen over. So you got to break everything up, get all that frozen sewage out of the way, put it, just put it up on the side or something like that. Okay. Now we can, now we can shoot our movie. By the way, get in the water. What? First of all, that's sewage. Second of all, it's freaking cold. We just had to 
break a layer of ice off of that stuff. Don't matter. Get in there. We, you know, we need to make this movie. And then when things warm up, the wind is blowing and all that kind of stuff. And you're getting peppered in the face with dust and all that. And part of you was like, is that dust or is that other stuff that's in the, <laughs> you know, like it just, oh God, uh, I, no, like that. I would have to be paid a pretty penny <laughs> to go down into a sewer, a frozen sewer of all things, to make a movie. I can tell you that right now. <clears throat> um, one of the things that the movie was praised for, that it kind of goes against the norm of monster movies and things like that, is that the monster is shown very, very, very early on in the movie. Not only shown early on, full-blown shown. Like, you see it. You see the design. You see it attacking people in broad daylight. Like, they are making no efforts whatsoever to hide this monster, to build suspense or anything like that. Because sometimes, I'll use the, I'll use the original 1933 King Kong. I'll use the 2005 remake. I will use Jaws. And I will use the 2014 Godzilla as examples. Yes, those movies built good suspense to the lead up and build up to actually get to see the monsters of those movies. But there was also a lot of people that was like, basically, they don't care about the suspense. They're like, I've sat here already and watched this movie for like an hour, close to an hour and a half in some cases. And I haven't even seen the monster that this movie is supposed to be about. And they get impatient, they get aggravated, and then when the monster finally shows up, instead of it being like, oh, wow, like he's finally here, instead it's like, well, it's about dead gum time he showed up. Holy mackerel, how am I going to watch a movie called King Kong, and it's an hour in, and he's just now showing up, you know? Like, it's just, <laughs> like, um, so there are many people out there that do not care for the big suspense build that takes place before the big reveal of a monster. I can go either way. It doesn't matter none to me. To me, it is kind of a pleasant surprise that whenever I'm watching a movie and all of that kind of stuff, and then like very early on, like within like maybe the first 15 minutes, boom, there's the monster. Full blown, full design, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, oh wow, like, oh man, they're, they're showing this thing right out the gate. Like, that's pretty cool. And so, yeah, that was something that the film was praised for. That is that there was no buildup. There was no suspense. There was a slight little itty bitty bit of buildup. Like at the beginning of the movie, whenever after all the formaldehyde gets uh, dumped down the, um, the drain, you see two fishermen and one of them, like he sees something in the water and he scoops it up with his cup and he's showing his buddy. And it's like this little deformed fish like thing. That's obviously the creature that grows up later on and all of that kind of stuff and it ends up getting away and all of that and it was really just some good like foreshadowing of the monster that's going to come later on and also just one of those deals that's like man all he had to do was just crush that little thing right then and there and this movie wouldn't have even happened but <laughs> but you know and so then there's a, a a time jump and all of that kind of stuff and then we see the monster hanging upside down like a bat and all of that and it drops down into the water and then chaos and wreckage and everything else just ensues so yeah the reception of this movie was very 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 good critically 
by fans and all of that in South Korea, this film became the highest grossing film in South Korean history at the time that this movie was released. Overall, it sold about 13 million tickets, give or take, because that's just a lot of other countries. You know, America really just simply focuses on the money. This is the money that that movie has made. And I've, I've never been a big fan of that because, you know, there's some people like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, I'll use Endgame and James Cameron's Avatar as an example. Avatar came out in 2009 and it did what it did, generated the, the money that it did, became the highest grossing film of all time and all of that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, you can do the same thing with James Cameron's Avatar and another movie prior to that and all of that kind of stuff. But anywho, this is just for the example. So you have Avatar, 2009, highest grossing film of all time. Fast forward to the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Endgame, which is a very lackluster film in my opinion. But Endgame comes around, it dethrones Avatar, becomes the highest grossing film of all time. And the MCU fanboys just turn around and like, this is the greatest movie ever, like it topped, uh, the, it's the highest grossing movie of all time and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking like, well, yeah. In 2009, Avatar, whenever it came out, like I, I went to go see Avatar, like the, the ticket that I paid for to go see Avatar was only like $6. Like the, the ticket, you can go to any movie nowadays, depending on the day that you go to, and you're going to pay like 15, 16 bucks sometimes for a ticket. Um, <laughs> you know, it can be, it can be kind of silly at times the way some of these ticket prices are and all that kind of stuff. And I know it varies from town to town. And all of that. I've been to some bigger cities where, like, yeah, a ticket. Uh, I paid fourteen dollars for a ticket in Tennessee one time when I went to go visit some friends. And depending on the day, you know, I come back down here in Alexandria, and like, you may on Tuesdays or something like that, you may only pay like nine dollars for uh, a ticket. But then, if you go see it on another day or whatever like that, the the ticket price might be twelve, thirteen. You know, I can't exactly remember, but you know, it's like. The ticket prices vary and all of that kind of stuff. And also, Endgame had a wider release. It was put on more screens and all of that kind of stuff. So just imagine, of course, it's going to dethrone the highest grossing film of all time because the tickets are more expensive and there's more seats and more screens to be filled. And I, I really wish America would not just focus on the money that a film made because money does not equate success in my opinion like iron man 3 of the mcu one of the highest grossing films whenever it first came out it was one of the highest grossing films of all time it was one of the highest grossing uh mcu films of all time Stat statistically speaking it's still one of the highest grossing mcu films of all time it is considered by many people in the fan base to be one of the weaker mcu films but if you look at it strictly from a financial perspective Iron Man 3 was a success, but if you look at it in terms of like reception from the fan base, it's not near the, the success that it was. Like So this movie uh, in North Korea, it ended up selling about 13 million tickets, give or take, okay? The population of North Korea at the time was like 48 million. I'm not sure what the percentage of that is. 
I guess I should have looked it up prior to doing the, um, <laughs> you know, prior to, to doing this episode, but 13 million tickets. And don't get me wrong. There are people that go and they see movies multiple times and all of that kind of stuff. The films that I've seen more times than anything else. Um, Zack Snyder's 300. I saw it four times in theaters. Man of Steel. I saw four times in theaters. Um, there's been a whole slew of movies that I've seen three times, like, uh, Mad Max Fury Road and things like that. And then there's a whole bunch of movies that I've seen twice and all of that. Like, you know, I mean, people go to see movies multiple times in theaters and all of that. Pretty much all of the films of the MonsterVerse I went and saw multiple times in theaters, with the exception of Godzilla vs. Kong, because it also released on HBO Max at the same time. So opening night, I went and saw Godzilla vs. Kong on the big screen. And then for like the next 30 days that it was on HBO Max, in those 30 days, I watched the movie maybe 20 times. Like <laughs> Sometimes I would just turn it on just to have it on in the background because I love Godzilla vs. Kong. It's it's one of my all-time favorite kaiju films. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, 13 million tickets out of a population of like 48 million. That's, that's a huge chunk of the, the country that went to go see this film won all kinds of awards from different film festivals and stuff like that. Uh, like I said, it became the highest grossing South Korean film of all time. Uh, at, you know, at the time that this was done, um, this movie, believe it or not, because it came from South Korea was loved by North Korea. And that's a very, you know, rare, not common thing, but the reason that it was loved by North Korea was because of the quote-unquote anti-American themes that were found in the film, uh, for satire or not. And the legacy and reception of this film is, you know, pretty good, pretty high, and all of that kind of stuff. Anytime I've ever heard anybody talk about the host, like, it's, it's pretty good praise as far as the film is concerned. Um, there was a statue made of the monster from the movie that was a, that was put by the Han River in South Korea in tribute to this movie. Um, it's them doing that. It's gotten some, there's some people that love it. There's some people that hate it. Uh, personally, I think it's pretty cool. Um, there was talks of doing a sequel, a direct sequel to this film, uh, not long after it came out. Uh, nothing ever came of it. There was talks of doing a video game to this film not long after it came out. Nothing ever came of it. For a short time, like years after this film had came out, there was talk about doing a remake of this film. And nothing ever came of it. So we don't know, you know, it's all kind of up in the air as to what's going to happen with this movie. Um, my personal opinion on the movie, it's it's decent. I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. Like, it's, it's a pretty mediocre film, in my opinion. And that's no disrespect to anybody that was involved in making the movie or anything like that. It just, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, it got kind of dull at times to me. Um, I, I could have done with a little bit more monster mayhem that was in the movie and a little bit less of, like, a lot of the quarantine and stuff like that, dealing with the quote-unquote virus that was in the film and all of that kind of stuff. Um, 
By the way, whenever I say quote-unquote virus that's in the film, that's not me making any type of statement or anything towards COVID-19. Because the whole the whole thing, there's a virus in this movie for those of you that have not seen it. And there's this whole thing about people having to be in quarantine and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, just just go watch the film. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much my opinion on the movie. Is just like, yeah, you know, what it's it's whatever. Like I've got it on my voodoo. I might watch it again eventually. I might not. I mean, I just yeah, you know, it is what it is. So all right, guys, that pretty much does it for the host. That came out in 2006. Uh, wish I had more information to be able to give you. I know there was a lot of filler in this episode. Um, but uh, yeah, I just couldn't find a whole, whole, whole lot of information on this uh, on this film and all of that. Um, got some cool news to talk about on this week's Weekly Kaiju Havoc. Uh, got uh, a few collectibles and things like that on the way. Can't wait to talk about all of that kind of stuff and everything. Um like I said, I might do my official ranking for the DBZ stuff on a weekly Kaiju Havoc just for the heck of it, just to share and everything, but I haven't really decided yet. Um, so I'll go through my usual routine real quick, and then I'll announce the movie that I'm going to be doing next Saturday. Um, check me out on all of my social medias. I'm Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong podcast on Facebook, and I have a Godzilla Ultima fan page. And on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, I am Cal the Kaiju Guy. Please go subscribe to the YouTube. I would very much appreciate it because, uh, like I said on this past week's um, Weekly Kaiju Havoc, if I get to at least 500 subscribers, I'll be able to start doing polls on YouTube the same way that I do on TikTok. And that will allow me to have more exposure and things like that and possibly get even more subscribers and all of that. Any help that you guys can give me, I would very much appreciate it. So, and thank you to all of you that's already helped me. You guys are the best. I wouldn't be doing this podcast without you. So. Um, moving on the movie that I'm going to be doing next Saturday, a week from today at the time of this recording, going back to the Godzilla franchise of the Heisei era in honor of me doing like the battle of the Mecha Godzillas on TikTok, like all of those polls and all of that kind of stuff. I'm going to be doing 1993's Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla 2. Um, this movie... I haven't seen it in quite a while, and I remember like my last like opinion on the film was to, like ah, it's a it's a mediocre movie or anything like that. So I don't know. We'll see if my opinions change whenever I actually go to watch it. It may have. I may. It may be even worse, <laughs> you know, than what I remember. I don't know because sometimes that happens. But all right, guys. Week from today, Godzilla vs. Mecha Godzilla two. Check me out on all of my social medias. Thank you all for all the love and support. I love each and every one of you. You guys are the best. Wouldn't be doing this without you. We'll catch you all next time. This is Kyle the Kaiju Guy signing out.